Well, good evening, everyone. It is uh, great to see you this evening. Trust that you've had a, a fantastic long weekend, and uh, you get to have uh, Pastor's Monday off tomorrow as well. Monday is my favorite day off. I just get miffed when it's a public holiday because, you know, public holidays on a Sunday, it goes to Monday. But what if Monday is your day off? It should be Tuesday as well, eh? And I'm just whining, sure. But uh, it's a great privilege to, to be able to start a new journey with you this evening. And uh, as Wayne was just saying, I was in Joburg with the elders this last week at a, a national elders training time. And the guy who leads our apostolic team, Tyrant Daniel, is his name. He's out from the States. He, he challenged us. And uh, in fact, I came home with a long list of uh, repentance steps that I'm busy working through for me and for us as a church. And one of them is he reminded us, he says, you know, the Bible doesn't say repent and then think about getting baptized one day, go to a baptism class, consider it. Now the Bible says repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, baptism is like that public declaration, I'm all in, Jesus, you are now my Lord. And I began to realize, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes we falter at the very first step, and if we falter at the first step, what chance do we have really of going passionately on for Jesus? That's why it's great. We've got Leon and Kaz here. I loved it. We baptized them the other day, clothes like Church clothes and all, I'm in. Same thing happened this morning. I challenged the church. If God has pierced your heart and you repented and you're saying, Jesus, you my Lord, well, the first thing your new Lord says to you is get baptized. So we can't really say Lord if we're like, yeah, maybe one day if it's convenient, when the weather's good, when I've got my, I don't know what clothes you need to get baptized. So they stepped up. In fact, the husband stepped up. He said, I think the devil wants to kill me. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, I had a heart attack. Oh, on the way to the hospital, my wife was driving me to the hospital. We had a car crash. She had to uh, wave down someone else to put me in another car to get me to the hospital. The doctor said if you'd arrived five minutes later, you would die. They resuscitated me, but then I got COVID. <laughs> so he comes out of hospital. He's alive. He says, but I knew that I needed Jesus. And so he got radically saved. We baptized him this morning. Comes up out of the water. And then his wife said, but me too. If he's in, I'm in. And so we baptized both of them this morning. And I say that to say this, if you're here tonight and you repented, God has pierced your heart saying, Lord, I want to make right with you. I need my sins forgiven. Jesus, you are now my Lord. Well, your new Lord says the first thing, I want you to go public, have your sins washed away as you go through baptism. But you're saying, but it's raining and it's dark and I haven't got baptism clothes. That's okay. Bible says repent and get baptized. And so if that's you, why don't you come running up to me straight afterwards and say, Pastor, tonight is the night. I want to get baptized. And we would love to do it. Well, Wayne will happily baptize you. That would, be, uh, that would be fantastic. No, not true. I brought my costume. So I'm ready. Father, tonight I pray that you would continue to speak to us from your word. Your word is living and active and powerful. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. And Father, you want to speak over your sons and daughters. Jesus, you've made a way for us to have access to our Father into the very throne room of heaven. And Father, we open our hearts. We say, Father, speak to us. Speak to us, we pray, from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're kicking off a new journey, a preaching journey. We like to call them journeys, not series, because we're hoping that over this journey, there it is, it's called Deeper. And over this journey, our desire is for me and for you and for all of us to take a steep step deeper into what it means to truly follow Jesus and what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm praying that this won't just be a, another, hey, that was a nice series. No, no, we want to see lives change. We want to see individually each of us taking a step deeper 
in our relationship with God. And as a church, we want to go deeper. We we trust in God to see more signs, wonders, healing, breakthrough, victory, power of God amongst us, which we believe will happen as more of us are deeper and deeper in our relationship with God. The series is based, this journey is based around a prophetic picture that God gave to Ezekiel. He was one of the Old Testament prophets, and one day he had this vision or this dream, but in his dream he was taken up to heaven, and an angel said, I want to show you something. And the angel took Ezekiel and showed him a picture of the temple and the throne, and and what he noticed was from the throne there was like this trickle, like a spring of water began to flow. And then he takes Ezekiel and he shows him, he goes outside the temple and he said, Ezekiel, look at this river. Have you ever been to the Drakensberg when, when you see a kind of river formed? It's, it's, there was nothing above there, but now kind of there's water seeping out here. Next thing there's a trickle, and you look down, there's a canyon, and who knows, maybe that's the start of the Tugela River or something. Just a trickle becomes a flow, a stream, a river, and then a mighty torrent. And, and so he, he, he led Ezekiel. This angel was actually had a measuring rod, and he said, Let me, let's go. And they walked about 500 meters, and, and the river was, was very shallow, like to your ankle. And he said, Now let's go deeper. And they went another 500 meters, and now it was up to his knee. And he said, now let's go deeper. And they walked another 500 meters, and now it was up to his waist. And he said, now let's go deeper, 500 more meters. And he said, now it was right up to almost his chin. He said, now it's, it's a raging river. It's too wide to even cross. But what I love about this picture is in some ways, as we walk with Jesus, as we mature in Christ, we should be going deeper as well. Now, we know what it's like here at the beach. You can, you can walk into the, the sea. You know where the waves are just flapping here around the edges, and, and you're in full control. You know, the water just like wets your feet. You've planted, you're 100% in control. But if you start walking out into the ocean, you know, the first little shore breakers hit you, and that's fine. They're hitting you here. You're still kind of anchored. Sometimes you get knocked back a little bit, but you, you're pretty anchored. But if you go deeper... Now it's kind of mid-break is happening there. Now you have to jump when the wave comes and it knocks you back a little bit. You're kind of in control, but it's sort of 50-50. You keep on going. Guess who's in control then? It's not you anymore. Now it's the ocean that's in control. Now the waves are pushing you and you watch the surfers. They've learned to ride the currents. It's a beautiful picture of what it means for you and I to genuinely start handing over control of our lives fully to the Lordship of Jesus. You see, God has given us His Holy Spirit. And it is a beautiful picture of, Lord, I want it to be more of you, less of me. And in the beginning, most of us grow up as control freaks. We want to be in control. We'll serve Jesus, you know, the way we want to serve Him, how we want to serve Him, when we want to serve Him, but He's calling us deeper. And as you go deeper and deeper, John the Baptist, Baptist, he said this, Lord, you must increase, I must decrease. And kind of as we mature in Christ, as we learn to trust Him more and trust in His love, trust in His presence, as we begin to surrender more of our hearts, Holy Spirit, now you've got more control. Like Jesus, when He prayed, and He said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. To that point where now it's almost like being in a river. Holy Spirit, I just want to live for your glory, live for your pleasure, live for whatever you want me to do. I'm available. And that's how Jesus lived. Everywhere he went, he was, Holy Spirit, I'm fully surrendered. In fact, he said this, by myself, I can do nothing. I only do what I see my Father doing. He lived his life fully surrendered to what the Holy Spirit was doing in his life. And that same Holy Spirit who was helping Jesus and empowering Jesus is now given as a gift to you and I. But the question is, how deep do we want to go? How much are you willing to trust him and surrender him and yield to him? 
that's what this preaching journey is all about. And we're trying to make it personal. So I'm going to share tonight, kind of this wasn't what I was planning on preaching, but as I began to prepare, this is what was highlighted. And it starts quite practically, and I want to start in a book called the book of Ephesians, where Paul, he's writing to a church, it's a beautiful church, and he's counseled them in many areas, but now he gets very practical, and he says this in chapter, the end of chapter 4, I'll pick it up from verse number 29, you can read along in your Bible or up on the screen, and he, Paul says this to the church, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, I mean, that's practical. He says, actually, take note of what's coming out of your mouth. Jesus actually said something that really offends me, and maybe it'll offend you. He said, it's the, from the overflow of your heart that your mouth speaks. So in other words, if you take listen to, or take note, take note of what your mouth is saying, that actually gives you an indication of the true nature of your heart. And, and actually, it's not just hidden in your heart. It's overflowing from your heart. So if you find yourself speaking words that are always critical, complaining, negative, slander, a little bit of a racist comment here, a bit of a sexist comment here, a bit of that's actually what your heart is full of. It's quite a sobering thought. That's why Paul said, don't let any unwholesomeness come out, only that which is beneficial for building others up. But now here's the key verse I want to focus on. Verse number 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling, which means fighting with your fists, and slander, which means fighting with your words, along with every form of malice, which is basically being nasty. And, and then verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I've been following Jesus for 33 years or something, and I've read the Bible many times. I love reading God's Word, which means I've read stuff like this over and over and over. But one of the ways that God speaks to me and speaks to us is, is sometimes you can read something you've read many times before, but it's almost like you read it with fresh eyes. It's almost like it jumps out at you and grips you. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And sometimes you can read something which is in the Word of God, but now it's like it grabs a hold of you. And every time that happens, it's a beautiful moment. Sometimes it hurts because God's Word is sharp and piercing. But take note of it because that's normally how God is going to get your attention and impress something upon you. Now this verse was impressed upon me. Verse number 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now that tells us a whole lot of things. For someone to be grieved, that's an emotional word. The word grief, I did a funeral yesterday. There was a, a grieving family sitting right here where you're sitting. They were grieving because they'd lost a, a mom. She was a grand. She was actually a great grand. And for this family, you grieve because there's, there's, there's loss. There's a sense of now I'm going to miss you. Now we'll never be able to have that relationship. And, and, and they needed their granny to be able to look after them. And, and maybe you've been through grief when you've lost a loved one. You've lost someone dear. Grieving is an emotional, painful experience. And, and the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That tells us that the Holy Spirit is not some force from God. You know, the force be with you. Not some impersonal. No, no. The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is equal with God in every way. Same power, same authority, same character, just different function. The Father seated on the throne, the will of the Father be done. 
Jesus, the Son of God, came, the Lamb of God who took the sins of the world, the ascended Christ seated at the right hand, the head of the church, and now given the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells here on earth in our hearts, fulfilling and empowering us to do God's will. Equal in value, equal in character, equal in attributes, just different in function. And we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit really struck me. I began to, we, we're doing a series about deeper, which really means growing in the Spirit. We want to grow in the Spirit, and now the Bible's talking about grieving the Spirit. And suddenly I thought to myself, I wonder if you can do both at the same time. I mean, could you really grow in your relationship while you're grieving? It, it doesn't make sense, does it? And I kind of, I got struck with this. If we're going to be serious about this journey, Lord, we, we want to go deeper, then we can't be growing and grieving at the same time. And and I began to, I was walking, praying, Holy Spirit, have I been grieving you? Holy Spirit, have I been doing some things in my life which have left you kind of sad or, 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 or just distant? And Paul, when he was writing here, he wasn't talking about deeply spiritual things. He was talking about very practical life choices. So let me give you quick four things I want to mention. Number one is the Holy Spirit He's given to us. He is the seal of our salvation. This is important because how do you know if you're saved? How do you know if you're going to heaven one day? How do you know if your sins are forgiven? You know because the Holy Spirit is given as the seal of our salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of you, you might have had an <laughs> emotional kind of experience being filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe if you've been to churches, you've been to conferences, you might have seen some people sometimes kind of filled or laughing or overflowing or falling. And may the Lord bless them for that. And, and, and some of you have had that, and, and it's beautiful. But some of you haven't. I, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I've, I've often prayed, Lord, I'd, I would love to feel this kind of shake one. Uh, me? No, I'm an engineer. Feet on the ground. And that's okay. Someone once said it like this. Have you, ever, have you ever seen the wind blowing over a wheat field? We don't really get wheat fields in KZN. If you've seen a, the wind blow over a wheat field, the whole field just like moves with the wind. Have you ever seen the wind blowing over a vineyard? The vines just stand. They don't move. Same wind. They're both fruitful. But one moves, in the same way, some people are very spiritually sensitive, emotionally sensitive, and they really experience emotionally the Holy Spirit. But the Bible doesn't emphasize that. What I can tell you, I gave my life to Jesus. I was 17 years old. I was a bit of an academic nerd. And so, I mean, I got a book called The Holy Spirit. So I read it. And as I began to read about the Holy Spirit, I began to pray, Lord, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to surrender. I learned about how the Holy Spirit fills us and leads us and moves us. And I never felt or experienced anything. But what I noticed was I'm changing. I'm changing because on the inside, I've got these, these new desires. I want to read God's Word. I want to be with God's people. I, I, actually, one day I want, to, I want to serve you full time. I want to give my life. I want, to, I want to do stuff that pleases God. In fact, I want to stop doing some of the things I used to do, which I know don't please God. It's almost like there was a new river. You know, rivers flow. That's why I love this picture, because a river carries a current that moves. Now, when we're born, we are born with a river inside of us that always flows towards sin. 
You know, like when you, you dedicate babies and they, they bring me these beautiful babies dressed all in white and, and it's like, yay, let's dedicate this baby. And I do take it seriously, but I also have to tell the parents, you realize that inside this beautiful white angelic little clothed, white clothed baby is a sinful nature. You're never going to have to sit down your baby one day and say, let me teach you how to throw a good tantrum. You don't have to do it. You never have to teach a baby kind of like how to lie, how to steal. They just, because there's a river inside of you that flows towards sin. That's called the sin nature, and we're born with it because Adam and Eve sinned, and as children of Adam, we have that inside of us. But what being filled with the Holy Spirit means is there's a new river that begins to flow inside of you, and he's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit flows towards holiness. Holiness is not legalism. No, Holy Spirit is God glorifying. Holy Spirit, the holiness is, is when there's a purity and unpollutedness to our lives. And the Holy Spirit flows inside of us. That's where those desires to study His Word, to be with His people, to, to love the unlovely, to dedicate your life. That's the Holy Spirit nudging you in the direction that God wants you to go. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. And really our prayer over this journey, every one of us would be filled to overflowing. But here's the big idea that and I want us to grab today is, is we can't grow and grieve the Holy Spirit at the same time. It just makes sense. And really I came under conviction to, to say, Holy Spirit, if, if I'm serious about going deeper, then first I've got to ask you the question, are there some things in my life that I'm doing that are busy grieving you. Uh, well, my family moved to, to Howick when I was 16 years old, and it was the start of the December holiday. We didn't know anyone. My brother, who's a little bit older, and, and so we were bored and decided, hey, let's, let's, this beautiful river flows through the middle of Howick. Let's go tubing. Sounds like a good idea. Now, we knew about Howick Falls. I mean, that's like about a 100-meter drop. You don't want to go over that one. So we kind of, here's the safety. Don't go beyond this point. But what people didn't tell us was about Mills Falls, that's only about four meters. I mean, how high is four meters? That high. The whole wall is about four meters high. So now we happily going down the river. We're floating. It's a nice fast flowing around the rocks on these tubes, going great. All of a sudden, my brother, who was in front of me, praise God, was um, suddenly stands up in the middle of the river. He just like anchors down, stands up in the river. Now, you know, the river is like it's flowing fast. It's pushing against him, pushing against the tube. He's like beckoning to me because he's just glimpsed just there is a waterfall. That's what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit, to resist the Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is, is pushing us like a river towards holiness, God-honoring living. But you know what? Sometimes we just like stand up in the middle of the river, no, I want to do this. And sometimes we, you were ministering earlier about sometimes we carry that bitterness or unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit inside of you, like that river is pushing against you, forgive, let it go. And it's like, no, I've got a right to be angry. But after what they did to me, I've got a right to get mad. And well, sometimes it's choices we make, the little things that happen, and you know you've just anchored your feet and you feel the pressure of the Holy Spirit. That pressure is called conviction. The Holy Spirit's job, He's sent from God to convict us. You don't need people, if you're a born-again believer, you don't need someone to come and tell you, is this a sin or isn't it? Because the Bible tells us this new covenant, he'll write it in your heart. The Holy Spirit will tell you. You either feel the joy of flowing with the Holy Spirit or you feel like standing in that river, the pressure, and you have to resist the Holy Spirit. That's how we grieve him. 
We grieve Him when we stubbornly resist. Now, all of us blow it from time to time. But the gift of God is when you blow it, you'll know straight away because you feel the Holy Spirit. And then we go back to the Father. Father, that was so doff. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I confess my sin. And it's like picking up your feet and the river begins to float you down the river even more. Does that make sense? Can't grieve and grow in the Spirit at the same time. What really struck me as well was just how practical. I want to read. I want to carry on reading from that point because now he gets practical. He says in Ephesians 5, verse number 1, he said, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I love that. Live as children of light. Children of light. You see, that river of the Holy Spirit just loves the light. To, to be a child of darkness means you're a child of secrets. You do secret stuff. To be a child of light means you have the joy and freedom of not living with secret compartments. You know, have you ever had that? I mean, if I picked up your phone or switched on your computer or picked up your iPad, and would you suddenly like, oof, did I delete this? Have I checked? No, 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 no secrets. I'm not hiding stuff. I haven't got this guilty conscience. Ooh, would they discover this? No, no, child of the light. We've brought things out of the darkness and into the light. It says, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That is why it said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, I want to finish off underlining these verses. Verse number 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's kind of like he gives us a picture. Now, I'm sure all of you would know what it's like. If, if someone keeps on drinking wine or any other alcohol, you, you drink, 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 and your behavior begins to get affected by the amount that you've drunk. I mean, that, we know that picture. And, and you might not realize, you think you're being cool, but you're not. You're acting like an idiot now, but you don't realize it. Everyone else realizes it because now it's what you've drunk that is influencing your behavior. And, and what Paul's saying is don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery, which means all kinds of evil. He says, instead... Same picture, be filled with the Spirit. And he's basically saying this, is, is why don't you just drink? Oh, if, the more you drink and fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, in the same way alcohol will influence your behavior, the Spirit will influence your behavior. But you, and you might not even realize it, but others would. It's like, yo, you, there's like a, a love in your life, a caringness, a compassion, a sense of righteousness, a sense of, of kindness, of helpfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. It's the fruit 
of the Spirit. The more full of the Spirit, the more your life begins to manifest this godly character. And then he gets more practical, and he says in verse number 19, how do we do this? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I don't really know what that looks like. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns. I mean, hey, Wayne, did you know the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not be in want? He's going to make you lie down in green pot. I don't know what it looks like if you actually kind of go around, but somehow it's, it's kind of speaking God's word. That your conversations, he's comparing, will no longer be destructive and negative and slander, but rather building yourself up, rather allowing the word to build you up. I actually, uh, I started an experiment a while back. You know, when I'm shaving in the morning, every morning, I, I got, here's an audio Bible. So instead of just humming and doing nothing, let me just push play. Now, as I shave, someone is speaking God's word over me. It's just, it's, I want to build a lifestyle full of the Holy Spirit. It carries on, it says, Speaking to one another, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Cara's testimony about overcoming depression, I never, I never got to that level. But I remember a few years ago, struggling with discouragement, which was probably on the way. Discouragement that settles for too long kind of sucks you down into a lifestyle of depression. And in that point, I felt God ministering to me then about the power of thanksgiving and praise. Now, I'm not the singing type. My wife, she's the worship leader. My songs, my sons play instrument. Me, I play the hafa, maybe. That's the best instrument that I could play. And, and so normally in the car, I would be listening to a preacher or a podcast, but I felt God challenging. You, you need to learn the discipline of worship. I'm like, discipline? No, it's worship is like, you know, when you're happy, you sing songs in church or something. No, no. Sometimes you need to learn the discipline of worship. You don't worship when you're happy. You worship when you need to get your eyes off yourself and your problems and back onto the Lord. My wife actually taught me a profound lesson once. And she made it easy for me because I need stuff to be easy. And it's, it's like when you, when you refuel your car, do you do it when the tank's full or empty? I mean, you, you have to refuel when, when the tank's empty. And when do you rejoice? Do you do it when you're full of joy or empty? You see, to rejoice yourself means to rejoy yourself. And rejoicing is not just, yay, I'm so happy, let's sing. No, no. The discipline of rejoicing is when I'm actually empty of joy. But to rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. You wake up tomorrow morning and now you've got a headache and you're feeling fraught and it's like, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, now's the time to rejoice. Not when my emotions are high and I'm happy. No, by rejoicing in the Lord, you will be rejoying yourself in the Lord, filled with His Spirit. And some of us, maybe it's a lifestyle of learning to live full of the Spirit, allowing His Word to minister to us, allowing worship and praise to become a lifestyle. And then verse number 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Cultivating a lifestyle of gratitude. We live in a country, I don't think it's just our country, it's probably everywhere in the world, where 90% of conversations are grumbling and complaining. You'll complain about the weather, the economy, politics, load shedding, you name it. That's basically where most conversations are going to go. And into that it says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. To live this life, I don't want to grieve you, Holy Spirit. I, I want to grow in the Holy Spirit. I want to be in this river of life, allowing your word to build me, cultivating a discipline of worship 
and learning to practice gratitude and thanksgiving, I began to realize, and Jesus, you fed 5,000 by taking the tiny little you had and just thanking the Father. Thank you so much for what we do have. These five little bread loaves, thank you so much for these five loaves. And then he shared it with 5,000 people. Instead of grumbling about what we don't have, giving thanks to God with faith for what we do have and trusting God to multiply it. A lifestyle, cultivating a lifestyle of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So let me land. Why is it so important? The church, the early church, if you read the book of Acts, they were known for fullness. There was a fullness. The Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost and they were filled with the Spirit. And Peter preached to the Gentiles and it says the Holy Spirit filled them. They had a prayer meeting and it says the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a sense of fullness. And what we also notice is they were not just full of the Spirit, there was power in the church. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Peter prayed and the lame man jumped up and began leaping and dancing and and Ananias, who was lying to the Holy Spirit, in the middle of praise and worship, Peter says, you lying, and he dropped dead. That's slain in the Spirit right there. Point is, there was fullness of the Spirit, and there was power of the Spirit. Now, my engineering brain says, surely these two are connected. Surely as one go up, the other must go up as well. If we want to be a church where we're seeing more and more evidence of the power of the Spirit at work, saving people, more and more people, baptize me now. I want to be in that water. I want to live for Jesus. Radical testimonies of transformation, people being healed radically, set free, delivered. Fullness of the Spirit precedes power of the Spirit. Oh, Lord, we want to go deeper. So my big step, let me land with, uh, with this challenge. I was, in, uh, I was in Pakistan a couple of about a month ago, actually, and uh, I went to the city of Lahore. I've been there a couple of times, and, and one of the, I mean, part of the city of Lahore is quite beautiful. There's a history there. They've got old forts, and it's great, but, but part of it is really ugly, and what, what grieves me most is the river that flows through the middle of that city. It's more like a canal. They've had to build it up, but, but it's, it's disgusting. It is just absolute just congested litter. It is, it is the most foul-smelling thing. The water is black and sludgy. I think if you went in that water, you'd probably die within minutes. It's just absolute river of death. And in some ways, that's, that's kind of a picture of the world. It's, it's like in so many of our lives. We, we live lives with this, like the sludgy river inside of us. If you compare that, I was telling you about Ezekiel. Remember the angel was showing Ezekiel this river? Well, then he, he begins to describe it. They walk to the edge And then the angel begins, and he says to him in uh, chapter 47, verse number 8, the angel said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Isn't that amazing? I thought it was the other way around. I mean, surely when the Tugela hits the Indian Ocean, surely the Tugela becomes salty. No, not the river of life. The river of the kingdom of God the fresh water turns salty. The Dead Sea comes to life when the river enters it. That's the kind of river that God was showing Ezekiel. Verse number nine, it says, swarms or herds of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salty water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. What a promise. Wherever this river goes. Now imagine which river you're in. Sludgy river of Pakistan or this river that's promised of the Holy Spirit. Wherever this river goes. What about my marriage? It's dead. No, no. You need the river. 
What about my health? You need the river. What about my business? You need, wherever this river goes, it brings life. Verse number 10, fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to El Achlim, I think. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Fish, remember Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. This speaks about evangelism. Did you know that when the Portuguese first came to Richard's Bay, it was not called Richard's Bay. I don't know what it was called then, but they gave a name, and I've forgotten what the Portuguese name is, but they named this place where we live the River of Many Fish. And I thought when we first planted the church 22 years ago, and I was doing some research, and I thought, wow, what a great place to plant a church where it's called the River of Many Fish. See, God has spoken over us as a church. He wants to break open a wellspring of salvation that multitudes would come to Christ where the river flows There'll be many fish. Verse number 11, it says, But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh, for they will be left for salt. What's a marsh? What's a swamp? It's a place where the river flows in, but it never flows out. That's why we need to be in the river. Just Holy Spirit, we want our lives to be giving, to be going. We want our lives to flow with you. Verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. The leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail, for every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Which river do you want to be in? That's the question. We want to talk about going deeper. Well, let's choose first which river we want to go deeper in. You can't grow and grieve the Spirit at the same time. You can't have one foot in the river of life and one foot in the river of sludge. It's very practical. Holy Spirit, we want to surrender to you. So I want you to stand now, and I want to pray. Would you mind standing? Because as I pray, I felt God give me three little pictures. So if you don't mind closing your eyes for a moment, picture number one, what I noticed with this river in Pakistan is that as you go down the canal, there's, there's... there's inlets, there's pipes or, sewer, I mean, stormwater drains that feed into the canal. And some of them, you can see the water comes in clean. Others, that's the source of the pollution right there. It's like that, whatever, wherever that pipe comes from, that's where the pollution's coming from. And I felt maybe for some of us, there's, there's feeder pipes into our lives that are just dumping sewage. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something that's happened in the past, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's some kind of secret this or that. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to cut those things off tonight. Holy Spirit, why don't you come and highlight? Would you right now put your finger on some things? We want to be in the river of life. Holy Spirit, we want to go deeper into you. We don't want to grieve you with more sludge being added to our lives. Second picture was I mentioned about how this river flows, wherever this river flows, it turns death into life. And, and maybe you've got areas of your life where you don't know what to do. You don't know, like, how do I fix this? How do I solve this? Well, when the river flows there, it will be healed. It will become fruitful. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit, He will fix the issues of our life. If we focus on being fully surrendered, fully yielded to the Holy Spirit, He'll fix those areas. He'll bring life where there was death. And the last picture was 
I had the privilege of visiting Madrid in Spain, and they've also got a river that flows through the city, but they have worked hard over the last few years to clean up that river to the point where I did not see one piece of litter in the river at all. The water was clear. They've replanted natural vegetation that filters out the water. And I suppose after seeing that beautiful river through a city and then going to Pakistan and seeing the slimy, stinky canal, it's like, oh God, I never want to, I hated it even more. I want to just remind us, the holiness of God is beautiful. The Bible says that God, we're learning it in believers training, it says, who among you is like you, O God, majestic in holiness? There's something about the holiness of God that is majestic. Majesty speaks of kingly. Majesty speaks of authority. The Holy Spirit is drawing us towards His holiness. The Bible says let's worship Him in the splendor of His holiness. There's a splendor, a beauty to the holiness of God. In fact, it speaks in the book of Isaiah. It says there are these angels gathered around the throne and, and some they cover their faces, they cover their body and, and they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And at first I thought, well, that sounds a bit boring if that's all they do their whole life. And then I realized it's, it's almost like they're addicted to the holiness of God. Once they tasted of the splendor and the beauty of God's holiness, it's like they were radically addicted. And I began to pray, Father, I want to be addicted to your holiness, to find the majestic wonder of holiness, to enjoy the splendor of your holiness. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I want to go deep in that river. Holy Spirit, I don't want to resist you. Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. Holy Spirit, I don't want to pollute this river. Holy Spirit, I want to float down this river of holiness that brings life wherever it goes, that brings fruitfulness wherever it goes, that multitudes of fish would be one to Jesus, that there'd be fruitfulness and life and favor. Come, Holy Spirit. And as I began to pray that, I I felt something of the grieving that maybe I've caused the grieving to the Holy Spirit. I began to feel something of that grieving inside, saying, Holy Spirit, forgive me for grieving you. Holy Spirit, for making choices which sadden you, for resisting you, for fighting against you, for ignoring you. Holy Spirit, forgive me. Maybe you need to make that your prayer tonight as well. Holy Spirit, forgive us for grieving you. We want to go deeper and deeper into that river of holiness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, our Lord. Father, I pray that you would continue to stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you for your amazing grace, your incredible goodness. Thank you that as your word teaches us when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. Even if our lives feel like a sludgy slum pit of Pakistan, you can purify us from all unrighteousness. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Friends, if you need prayer tonight, we would love to lay hands and pray for you. If you need to get baptized because your heart has been pierced, 
by Jesus, calling you to the Father, and you're ready to repent of your sin and confess Jesus as your Lord, giving your life fully to Him, then repent and be baptized in the dark, in the pool, in the rain with friends and family cheering you on. We'll happily baptize you tonight. So if that's you, why don't you come running forward and come and chat to me right now. Father, thank you so much for your grace and goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that your gracious hand is upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. church, let's go deeper.